Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the um, next episode of History of a Haunting, but the very first YouTube episode. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Carrie Hopper. And I'm your other host, Laura Ackerman. And welcome. welcome. Yes. Hi, Laura. Um, so after a lot of starts and stops, here we are. Uh, we barely made it. Barely. But here we are. Yeah. Barely. Seriously, um, barely. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to start recording over an hour ago, and um, <laughs> here we are. Uh, so we've done all the sound checks, we've done all the whatever the hells, and, uh, yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of made it. We kind of made it. it. We're working on it. So. Yeah. We, um, certainly welcome all of our loyal listeners, um, as always, and to the folks that are just watching us for the very first time with everybody else for our very first episode on YouTube. Thank you so much. We really, really do appreciate you coming over to this platform. I know that a lot of you do prefer to listen to and and watch a podcast on YouTube. We have actually been getting um, questions from you guys if we're going to be, you know, bringing this to YouTube for over a year now. So uh, here we are, and we've worked really hard. Yeah, we worked really hard to make it a fun show, engaging. you know, uh, again, learning as we go on all of this crazy craziness. So, um, welcome. And we're, you know, we're glad to have you. We're glad to be here. And, uh, yeah, uh, every week we're going to be here doing this and, uh, probably saying, you know, a lot of swear words, drinking heavily before we hit record. Cause this was a mess. <laughs> Oh, for sure. This was a classic clusterfuck. And, but here we are. So we're going to make the most out of it. <laughs> as, we really, we as we muddle through, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it wouldn't be History of a Haunting without the fuck-ups. So um, right. we brought our fuck-ups to YouTube. Cheers, Clink. Right. Here we go. Exactly. Laura, here we go. Here's to the first YouTube episode. Cheers. Yay. Um, Yay. All right, guys. The format's not going to change. We have the same exact format that we always had. Um, And to that end, we're going to start off with one or two or five or ten EVPs. Here we on History of a Haunting, we call them EVPs, which is um, a fancy word that we came up with for our updates and announcements, any kind of information that we want to share with the listeners before we get into the story. Uh, For the paranormal um, folks out there that are familiar with the vernacular, uh, EVP stands for typically uh, (laughs) electronic voice (laughs) phenomenon. We have changed Mm -hmm. that for History of a Haunting to endless vocal prattling because that's kind of what we do. If you want to go ahead and fast forward this part, that's fine, but you might miss out on some important information. So, Laura, what are, why don't you go ahead and talk to the wonderful folks about our hoodies? So, we do have a pre-sale for our hoodies. Uh, they're $40 a piece, unless you're a Patreon member, and then they are... Was it 20% off? 20% off for Patreon members. 20% actually, off. $45 each. Oh, okay, 45 I'm sorry. You're trying to give everybody discounts um, right away. What the fuck? <laughs> I am, right? I'm like, hey, come on, get one. Um, and we have that pre-sale going for a couple more weeks now, I believe. And um, 
Yeah. They've been selling like hotcakes. So if you want to get one, now is the time. Go ahead and get in on your pre-order at our um, website, hoahpodcast.com. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you order two or more, it's free shipping. So yay. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, we will, yeah, it's, it's, we love them and, um, we're, we can't wait. We, we can't wait to wear them everywhere we go and cram them down everybody's throat. <laughs> Cause we've kind of already, 100%. Been, we've kind of already done it. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, my entire family already knows what they're getting for Christmas. So you're welcome. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. And you should, yeah. Right. <laughs> Feel free to do that to your family as well. <laughs> oh, please do. That would be right. wonderful. That would be super so. That would be so great. Um, yes, so we do have the hoodies. We are are starting to order other merch. Um, so the hoodies are on a pre-sale order basis only for now. Um, but we are starting to order in-stock merch that we will have all the time. We are hoping to be putting that up and adding that to our store on our website in the next what Laura three four weeks maybe yeah we should have some stuff up there just start rolling in here in the next yeah a couple of weeks yeah yeah so definitely in time for our hundredth episode yay our one hundredth episode <laughs> you guys it's gonna be crazy um, thanks for that lead in uh, the hundredth you're welcome episode, hey. <laughs> our hundredth episode you guys we are actually gonna be bringing it to you live on Facebook. We're going to be doing the recording live. So if you want to join us right. on this free event on Facebook, you certainly can. Simply go to our Facebook page and um, we have the event information and everything up there. It is Friday, October 1st, and it is at 8 p.m. Um, is it Mountain Time, Laura? Mount- I believe so. I yeah. believe Mountain. so. Colorado time. That's it. Colorado is Mountain Time. Yes. Okay, great. There we go. Um, (laughs) So uh, we are going to be doing it at 8 p.m. Friday, October 1st. But the special part of it is, is that the Stanley Hotel was our very first episode. So we are going to actually be going to the Stanley Hotel and recording our first episode live in front of all of you fine folks uh, from Room 217. Uh, which, as everybody knows, is where Stephen King conceived The Shining. Um, In this episode, which we will tell you what we're covering at that time, like we always do. Um, But Archie's going to be with us. So uh, come on over, join us. It is only going to be live on Facebook. Again, it is a free event. You can certainly... Follow the page and check us out. It's going to be a really great time. I've got a really fun game, a lightning round game that Archie and Laura have to play. Uh, they can win a really cool prize. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you guys are going yeah. to be able to watch it with us and comment and ask questions, things like that. And then we will put, of course, the recording up on YouTube that following Saturday, so not the next day, but the following Saturday, the episode will drop like it always does. Same with the YouTube uh, episode, channel, show. Right. What do we call that? Right. We're so new I to don't YouTube. Know. I don't know. We have no idea what we're doing, really. We don't. Comment and let us know no. what it's called. <laughs> a, epi- a YouTube episode, a show, a run-through? A- yeah. 
broadcast. Yeah. We don't. We don't know. We um, we have a channel. This is a show. I think. Oh, good. I think that's how it works. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that works. Um, (laughs) The other thing that I do want to mention is that this past weekend, me and my paranormal team, Southern Entities Paranormal, did an overnight investigation of Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. And um, we had the best time. Uh, (laughs) I haven't even told Laura what went on there because I, we do many episodes now where we recap our paranormal investigations because we're doing so many, so much more of them, um, that we, we record many episodes and on the ones that Laura is unable to attend, um, she hears about it right along with you guys. So, uh, she's not gonna hear about trans Allegheny until you know we do record the mini episode um and we are actually going to have two very special guests on that mini episode um two really really lovely women that we met um during the investigation they are alive they're they're not ghosts or patients that were former <laughs> at, <laughs> at I mean, I, that would be amazing though if i could bring a spirit onto the show that would be that would really put us on the map um so we actually are going to be having some guests uh, on that mini episode. Mini episodes are going to start on YouTube with this one, Trans Allegheny. It's actually going to be our third mini episode. Um, we're going to release the second one um, only on audio. All of your favorite podcast stations, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, iHeart, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, literally Amazon Music, everywhere. Uh, even Radio.com, you can find us everywhere. So um, the second mini episode will be audio only. The third mini episode about Trans Allegheny will be here on YouTube um, and also on all of your favorite podcast stations. So that was the other EVP that I wanted to cover. The um, next one that I wanted to cover is my team and I, Southern Entities Paranormal. We have partnered with the Montgomery County Historical Society here in North Carolina. And we have done an investigation of the 1830 Montgomery House. That is actually going to be the topic of mini episode number two that's coming out this week. It'll actually be released before you guys see this on YouTube, before this episode drops um, over Labor Day weekend. So we have partnered with the Montgomery County Historical Society. We have done a paranormal investigation of the 1830 Montgomery House. And guys, let me tell you, this place is amazing. It's amazing. Um, It was built in 1830 by Dr. John Montgomery. It's actually still standing on its original almost 200-year-old brick foundation. So what my team and I are wanting to do is we're wanting to raise money to help preserve and restore this house. So we have set up a GoFundMe page. If you guys can find it in your hearts to donate, even $5, $2, a dollar, any amount will certainly help. All of the money goes into preserving this beautiful, beautiful home. We're also going to be doing, um, we're going to be doing some um, paranormal tours and things like that to help raise money so that the historical society can save this house. Um, so 
if you can, that's really, really wonderful. We'd really appreciate it. You can find the GoFundMe link on our Facebook page um, at HOAH Podcast. You can also find us at Southern Entities Paranormal as well. Um, If you are unable to donate, I absolutely understand. But if you could share the link, that would be great too. Um, So we are going to be doing a push on Fridays called $5 Fridays, where we're asking everybody to just donate $5 to the GoFundMe um, page. It will start this Friday, which for all of you watching and listening, now we got to say that, Laura, watching and listening. Um, Right. (laughs) For all of you uh, (laughs) paying attention to us right now (laughs) is actually yesterday. So we're going to start doing $5 Fridays where we're going to just ask everybody if they can donate $5. And if you can't, that's, again, totally fine. I absolutely get it. And we completely understand. But we would like to ask you to share the GoFundMe page. The further our reach can be, the greater chance that we have for raising money for this amazing, amazing home that we are certainly hoping um, to save. And we're working with the the Historical Society to save. So uh, I think that's all I've got as far as EVPs. Laura, do you have anything else? No, you just ran with it. It was great. I did. did I did. (laughs) Good job. Good job. I'm the talker of the the two. So, Um, all right. Well, then let's. Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. I think we've we've already established that. God, right? (laughs) Oh, yikes. Okay. So let's go ahead and get to the meat and the potatoes of this episode. Laura, why don't you let everybody know, even though they already know, but I did make a special title card for it. (laughs) All right. Just because you did that. Just because I did that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Just because you did that. All right. Let's tell people what we're we're talking about. So today we're going to discuss the history of the Ouija board and the rise of spiritualism. The spiritualism of the Ouija board. Yes. Yes. Yay. Drop your sources on us, miss. All right. My sources are friendsofdownthevert.ca, uh, nerdist.com, time.com, smithsonianmag.com, and wikipedia.org, austintexas.gov, victorianweb.org, and theatlantic.com, baltimoresun.com. So not too light on the sources this week. Yeah. Lots of are, stuff are, you, are, are you done? Should I go back and add? Like that was a, that was, that no, list no, no, no. is actually longer than mine this week. It's, I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think it ever um, has. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. So, okay. uh, all right. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. This is a good all one. Right. This was Laura's idea, her suggestion. She was like, we should do this. And I'm like, that's fabulous. Let's do it for YouTube. So. Right, we kind of skirt. We kind of talk about spiritualism here and there in the in the in the episodes, and it comes up quite a bit. And I think um, sure. yeah. to really talk about what it is, um, so that to give context and to build um, with our listeners, so that they understand um, when we start talking about this stuff. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, uh, I mean, we are an educational podcast. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, I'm not sure. Surprise, we're, we're not in schools. Right. I mean, textbooks before too long. Drinking. There we go. There we go. Well, drinking and bad stories. Why not? All right. So, um, all right. So let's start off by talking about what spiritualism is. So spiritualism is a religious movement 
based on the belief that the spirits of the dead exist and have both the ability and the inclination to communicate with the living. The afterlife, or the spirit world, is seen by spiritualists not as a static place, but as one in which spirits continue to evolve. I do so these like, two beliefs... I, I, I do like the way you said that, that they have the ability and the inclination to communicate they with want us. To. Yes, yeah. Right. I think that's... Right. I think that, especially as a paranormal investigator, I love that because that is so accurate. That's super accurate. If, right. they, if they want to, they will. Um, it's getting if them they to don't. want to. If they, it's getting them right, to want right. to. Yeah. So I love that. Sorry. Like, I had to. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So these two beliefs that the contact with the spirits is possible and that spirits are more advanced than humans lead spiritualists to a third belief that spirits are capable of providing useful knowledge about moral and ethical issues, as well as about the nature of God. So some spiritualists will speak of a concept which they refer to as the spirit guides, specific spirits often contacted who are relied upon for spiritual guidance. So spiritualism developed and reached its peak growth and membership from the 1840s to the 1920s, especially in English-speaking countries. So by 1897, spiritualism was said to have more than 8 million followers in the United States and Europe, uh, wow. mostly from the middle and upper classes. I know, uh, you don't realize how how big it was and what an actual movement it was. It was such That's a, a was, lot of people. Right. That was kind of an, an explosion, really. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it kind of went like viral for the era, if you will. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. okay. So, and spiritualism is still, I mean, obviously a lot of people still believe in the fundamental ideas of spiritualism, and there's still even spiritualist churches um, in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. I mean, I'm a believer in it. I I have spirit guides. I communicate with them all the time, so I'm one of them, too. And pretty much everybody that listens to this podcast is probably in some way or another a spiritualist. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I right, would hope. Yeah. So I hope anyway. <laughs> right. Otherwise, they're or just they like, wanna... let's listen to what these bitches are saying this week. <laughs> right. Kind of. Same difference. <laughs> right. I, yeah. All right. So spiritualism all began with two sisters that came from Hydesville, New York, who claimed that they could speak with the dead. So in March of 1848, Maggie and Kate Fox spoke to a spirit haunting their home. First, they commanded the spirit to count to ten, and it responded with ten knocks. Then their mother asked how many children she had. The spirit correctly knocked six times. So Mrs. Fox invited her neighbors over, and they were shocked when the spirit answered the girls' questions with a series of knocks. So by tapping twice for yes and once for no, the spirit told them that he was once a peddler who had been murdered and buried below the house. Newspapers reported the ghostly encounter, and folks across town came to see the girls who could speak to the dead. So while many people were thrilled with the idea of speaking to ghosts, others were obviously scared and accused the girls of witchcraft. Pretty typical for the era. Right. (laughs) And the town's Episcopal minister actually asked the family to leave the congregation when he heard that they had been talking to ghosts. Are you serious? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Um, Well, let's let's take a look at these sisters real quick. These aren't like crazy. Like, let's take a look at these sisters real quick. All right. They look pretty typical for like the era, right? They really do. They don't, don't look like you know. They they don't have any you know. It's, it's 
still the Victorian era. They're right. dressed, you know, they've got their modesty is covered. They're, you know what I mean? Like they don't look right. like what you might imagine them to look like given what they can do, right? Or what they right. claim to be able to do. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, Maggie and Kate's older sister, uh, Leah, um, ended up moving the girls to Rochester, New York. Um, and she was suspicious of their talent, um, but she saw an opportunity to pull herself out of poverty. So oh. in the 1840s, cities There's were growing at an sibling. unprecedented rate. I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Are you that sibling? Does that what you said? I mean, hey. Well, no, I'm not that sibling. <laughs> but... I mean, you know, can't girl, can't blame a girl for trying. I mean, you can't. Uh, right. <laughs> so <laughs> overcrowding and poor sanitation in the cities led to epidemics of contagious illnesses, leaving families desperate to speak to their loved ones who had passed away. Yeah. So people would gladly open their wallets to hear from their friends and family on the other side. So Leah had her two sisters holding seances and charged admission. First in their home okay. and later in Rochester's biggest auditorium, Corinthian Hall. Oh, okay. So during their shows at Corinthian Hall, audience members hoped that the girls would be exposed as frauds, but no one could figure out their trick, right? Like, so the Fox sister's strange gift led to the spiritualist movement. Um, okay. And more people, yeah. So, and more people across America and Europe started to claim that they were mediums and had the ability to speak to spirits and seances became a popular pastime. Yeah. So even Queen Victoria herself was fascinated by mediums. Um, and she used one to contact her husband, Prince Albert after he died. Um, during the seance, the 13 year old medium, Robert James Lee supposedly proved he could truly speak to the dead when he called Victoria by pet name. Only Albert would know. Uh, oh. According to the famous medium, right? That's I did, kind of impressive. I've never heard this story, and I have read everything about their love story. I've never, I've never heard this. This is interesting, right? And he was a thirteen-year-old too, which I think is kind of interesting, right? So, according to the famous medium Leslie Flint, Victoria sent messages beyond the grave after she passed to her daughter Beatrice, who who went to contact her mother after she passed. Obviously, she became a spiritualist right. as well. Okay. So, um, the Fox sisters, um, they were launched into stardom, right? They were, became very famous, um, all through the States. Um, but the two, the fame was taking a toll on them. Um, they started drinking heavily, um, and Leah worried that their drinking would threaten their livelihood and their status in the spiritualist community. So to curb her sister's indulgence, Leah planned to have Kate's children taken away. Dude. So, right? Some fucked up shit. The minute you so, said they started drinking heavily, I picked up my wine glass and I'm like, go on. <laughs> right? I don't understand this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, frustrated with their sister who had been controlling their lives since they were children, uh, Maggie and Kate exposed their secret. So, on October 21st, 1888, Maggie got on stage at the New York Academy of Music removed her show and cracked the knuckles of her toes, making the noise that made the sisters famous. She explained that she and Kate had started the deception when they were too young to know right from wrong. And Leah had exploited them into performing seances. And by then it was too late. They had to keep going. Right. 
Yeah, right. Supposedly. Um, so later she tried to recant her admission, but nobody believed her, right? So how... Who's going to, right? Right, so, but yeah. There's a caveat, a weird caveat to the story. So in 1904... School, ch- school children playing um, under the sister's childhood home in Hydesville, known, which then became locally known as the Spook House, um, <laughs> discovered the majority of a skeleton between the earth and crumbling cedar walls. A doctor was consulted who estimated that the bones were about 50 years old, giving credence to the sister's tale of spirits had created a stir amusingly disproportioned to any necessary significance of the discovery and suggested that the sisters had merely been clever enough to exploit a local mystery. And even if the bones were that of the murdered peddler, the Times concluded there was still um, remained the dreadful confession, um, which just makes everything just seem fake after that point. Mm. Um, And how old were they when they were to have started? Teenagers. Teenagers, right, yeah. yeah. So naive enough to not like young enough to not know better that tricking people was like not the greatest, but old enough to come up with this scheme with a what? Yeah. I, yeah. I yeah. mean, it seemed like they were started tricking their mom and maybe neighbors and it kind of got out, out of hand control. when people were really impressed by, wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Mm, okay. So, yeah. So, although spiritualism's two founding mediums were exposed as frauds, um, it didn't stop the movement as a whole. Uh, mediums with more impressive abilities were coming forward. Some could levitate tables, produce ectoplasm. Florence Cook could supposedly materialize a spirit named Katie King. Uh, believers from across the world were transfixed, transfixed by the paranormal phenomena. Phenomena. Oh my God, words being performed in <laughs> front so of bad. them, whether it was a hoax or not. <laughs> It's so hard. It's so hard. So, I have heard. I have studied all of these folks, like the the people that you're talking about. I figured, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is pretty for the time. Very famous people. Very famous Um, people, and also really brilliant in what they were trying to able to do. Yeah, and 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 the perception they were able to put forward absolutely which is what has made my current field of study paranormal investigation so fucking hard thanks ladies right good job job. thank you but on that note spiritualism at the time um was one of the few ways that women were actually allowed to speak in public so female mediums use this as a way to champion for the ideas of women's suffrage, equal rights, the abol- abolition of slavery. Um, and they could claim that these weren't their ideas, but they came from the spirit realm. Oh. Um, yeah. So they could say okay. that the spirit guides were saying that these were the best ideas. Were so, they taken more seriously by saying, do, saying it that way? Um, I, well, I think it took the blame off them, right? If somebody didn't agree with what they were saying, they could be like, well, it wasn't me. It was the spirits, right? So okay. I'm just, they're just speaking through me. It wasn't yeah. me. Those are not my ideas. Right. It's, you know. Wow. It's just telling me. Oh, wow. That's, fuck. Wow. 
Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting part that I never really, really, uh, really heard of. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this doesn't stop the criticism and condemnation of female spiritualists. Um, so one such example was Victoria Woodhull, uh, a vocal spiritualist and the first woman to run for president. Oh, she shit. was dubbed right. She was dubbed Mrs. Satan for her belief in spiritualism, suffrage, and the ideas of free love, um, all of which were seen as a threat to traditional morals. Bitch, right? Something's <laughs> never changed. I mean, <laughs> and so this was how long ago? Ten, fifteen, twenty exactly. years ago. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, so, uh, with the onslaught of the civil war and the growing list of men who would never return home, more and more people turned to spiritualist mediums, um, hoping for some proof that their loved one's immortal soul was a piece. Yeah. So the number of spiritualists at that time, uh, in the U S blossomed, uh, by the end of the war reported 11 million people subscribed to spiritualism and 35,000 were practicing mediums. Whoa. Whoa. Really? 35,000? Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is in what year? After which war? Um, during the Civil War, so 1840s. So it started at, what did you say, 8 million, grew to 11, 30, and then 35,000 practicing mm. media. Wow. I mean, I yeah. get it. I get it. But that's viral in like a way that us as YouTubers now hope to be. <laughs> Right. That's pretty massive. That's a lot. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, spiritualism also, um, brought into it, um, the new technological advancements that were happening at the time. So the Fox's sisters raps and knocks were similar to the Morse alphabet, which had just been, just been invented. Um, Uh, Morse code. Right. So, so people that were promoting spiritualism would claim um, later that they had a spiritual telegraph between the living and the dead. Um, later, William oh Mumler um, would claim that he could capture the ghostly images of dead loved ones in his spirit photography studios. So Mumler's most famous spirit photograph is of Mary Todd Lincoln. America's grieving first lady um, had become heavily involved in spiritualism after the deaths of her son and her husband. Yes. Uh, she regularly attended seances, hoping to receive a message from them. Um, in 1872, Mrs. Lincoln visited Mumler's studio in Boston. In the resulting photograph, the ghostly specter of Abraham Lincoln appears behind his wife, resting his hands on her shoulders. Let me it see was if the I last can... photograph ever taken of her. Let me see if I can bring it up All right. cor- correctly. You did it. I did it. No, that, yeah, that's pretty creepy. It's very creepy. And I, I've studied this guy as well. And there's a number of photographs that he has taken. This one is, to me, I think, very, very powerful. Um, Of course, it has been, you know, People have sent it to Kodak and they've sent it to, you know, all of the major, you know, film places, companies, places, forensic Mm -hmm. photographers, things like that. Um, I think it's a really beautiful picture. And I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Has it been debunked? Like officially? 
Um, I didn't hear that it was particularly, maybe, but... No, I mean, because again, it, it was in the 1870s, right? So it... Double exposure in film is is obviously a, a thing. This is a little bit right. harder because... Like she had to sit there for what, a couple of hours. Photograph. That's why nobody smiled back then because it took like ten years to take one picture. Right. But in this one, I. I don't know. I mean, I haven't. Most people seem to think it's just a a double exposure, like an overlay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like an overlay. Um, because I mean, if you look at his hands and the placement, uh-huh. it doesn't really look natural. Um, right. But it is, you know, I mean, it could Well, and be. imagine back then if you saw something like this, I mean, yeah, whether or not we believe it now, I mean, the power that this would have had because of the time mm-hmm. and how incredibly true this would have seemed. Right. Right. Yeah. Because photography was still not, like, a big thing, right? Right. I mean, it was a big thing, but not everybody, like, getting your picture taken was a big thing. Like, it's not something that happened every day. It it certainly wasn't on your little phone being taken every two minutes. Right, and it certainly wasn't something that was available to all classes. Like, there was just, you know. um, So there is a lot of talk about how this gentleman maybe was a charlatan and, Mm -hmm. you know, Again, like you were, you know, taking advantage of of grieving people, you know, thirty five thousand mm-hmm. mediums, all of a sudden because of these right. two sisters, you know what I mean? Like, and then then the mm-hmm. sisters, it it's a very sticky issue. There are genuine mediums, and there is genuine spirit photography. Back then. I don't know. Mm. Maybe this guy kind of figured it out. I mean, what? It, tell everybody his name again. It's uh, William Mumler. Yes. So Google M-U-M-L-E-R. Yeah. Google him. Yeah. And you can find this picture and a, a number of others that he's taken. And they're all very similar in, they're all very similar as in like the person is sitting there and there's somebody behind them. It, mm. They're all very similar. Like it's not like they're kneeling down next to the person. So... Draw your own conclusions with it. Um, I like the idea. I like, um, I I like the idea. I think that he was there with her, um, but I don't necessarily, me, the wholehearted believer, I don't necessarily (laughs) think this is a genuine photograph. It is a nice idea, but right, yeah, I, I agree, but yeah, Yeah. I think the the biggest part of it is that the power that it would have carried at that point in time right? Um, to make people believers, right? Because mm-hmm. all of this is just new tech that had just been coming available mm-hmm. and more and, and increasingly more and more available to people of different classes. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Mrs. Lincoln was already a believer. She was already doing seances in the white house um, after her 11 year old son had died of a fever in 1862. So she was, right. uh, yeah. she was early into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Trying to come to terms with her losses. Um, yeah. 
The movement itself wasn't without skeptics, even at the time, right? So um, the world-famous magician Harry Houdini um, had made it his life's work to expose the perpetrators of what he called this most monstrous fiction. Um, So even though he said he always entered a seance with an open mind, uh, Houdini declared, after 25 years of ardent research and endeavor, I declare that nothing has been revealed to convince me that intercommunication has been established between the spirits of the departed and those still in the flesh. Yes. So, so he never became a believer. He didn't. Let me see if I can pull up this picture as well. Laura sent me pictures for her part. Um, I think I did it right. Hang on. Let's see. This All is, right. Let's this, see. This we'll find out. Is, we'll find out. <laughs> I'm afraid. I don't. I'm re- I don't think it's the right. Picture. Well, let's see. All right, let's find it. Nope, that's a barn. <laughs> and a silo. And a silo. It's our game, barns and silos. It is our game. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. That's, that's not it. it. That's not it. All right. No, never mind. We'll okay, put it on our social kidding. media. You can check it out then. We sure will. All right, well, good try. This is not executively right. produced, guys. <laughs> the next one, though, I got you. The next picture, I got right. you, Laura. It's a fine. You're on it. All right. Okay. So, um, with the popularity of spiritualism, um, the average person wanted a way to communicate with their loved ones, um, and now they believe that was possible. So, this led to the birth of what they called talking boards. Um, which were the precursor to the Ouija board in the late 1880s. Um, It had letters, numbers, and a small cursor to point towards its script. Um, It's not clear who came up with the first talking board, but that was really the groundwork for the Ouija board. Um, So, of course, uh, somebody came along to capitalize on this, um, and that person was Charles Kennard of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, He didn't particularly care about the spiritualism movement, um, but he did see a profitable business opportunity, right? Right, isn't that how so, most of I mean, like, the famous on. shit happens? I don't actually exactly. have any interest in this, but I see an right. opportunity, yeah. Exactly. So this allegedly uh, shady businessman uh, teamed up with a coffin maker slash undertaker, which of course I love that part, uh, E.C. Reich, uh, to start producing their own wooden boards. Uh, but when Kennard started looking for investors, um, he ended up taking sole credit for the invention. Um, and there's some debate over Reich's actual involvement, and not a lot is known about his life. Um, however, the leading talking board expert, uh, Robert Murch, and he's the founder of the Talking Board Historical Society. There's a um, talking told- board expert. Yes, and he is the founder of the Talking Board Historical Society. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> right? The more you know. I mean. So <laughs> he told Baltimore Magazine that Reich was indeed involved with early productions, but later was cut out by Kennard. Natch. Natch. So, Natch. <laughs> so after Kennard's many failed attempts uh, to secure funding, um, an attorney named Elijah Bond became interested, and they formed the Kennard Novelty Company in 1890. Um, Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, um, who was said to be a medium herself. Um, one of the 35,000, sure. Right, one of the 35,000. Everybody was at that time. <laughs> I mean, sure. Uh, she, I am and, too. Right, why not? <laughs> so she said to um, come up with a name 
Um, so supposedly, um, she had asked the board what it wanted its name to be, and it spelled out um, Ouija. And it's an, supposed to be an ancient Egyptian phrase, which means good luck. Ah, okay. um, there's also some like, pop, right, it's not good luck. There's also some popular belief that it's a, supposed to be a combination of the French and German words for yes. So we and Jar, yeah. Um, but, you know. There's I mean, a lot of rumors about how it was named. Like, nobody really knows. Basically. Tell me, world traveler Laura, is that accurate? Mm-hmm. You've been to every everywhere. Um, that Those are those words, but it's it just seems really like a weird thing um, to put together. But, I mean, again, who the fuck knows? Like, <laughs> nobody really knows how it came about. I mean, to be honest, that's kind okay. of like this. True. The origins of it are pretty, like mysterious still even though there's like more has come to light about it it still seems like the very very beginning is very nobody kind of knows exactly what happened right Um, like who came up with the idea of of making a talking board itself right like all of that stuff is still pretty much unknown um i'm gonna be real honest with all of you if you try to summon me after I've died on a Ouija board and you make me spell out shit and work that hard to communicate with you, I'm not going to communicate with you. Right. She's not doing math. It's I'm not. Never and I'm not going to do math. Don't ask her. Don't even bother putting numbers on that her. board. <laughs> um, so um, at one point, Peters did um, convince the patent office to approve the Ouija board's application. Uh, so supposedly the story goes, um, but via, uh, her grandson, um, said that his grandmother, this is the story that she told, right? So Bond took Peters to the patent office in Washington DC. They show it to the first clerk who says, I don't want to be a laughingstock. So they ask for the chief clerk who comes out and says, all right, if that contraption can spell out my name, then you've got your patent. So Peters takes out the Ouija board it spells his name. The chief clerk, who was like visibly shaken by then, says, okay, you've got your patent. But the patent doesn't talk about why it works at all. They just That's just patent. how you got a patent back then? Yeah. Oh. So, kind of a caveat to that story is, I mean, they probably did know his name. It's not like it wasn't, it was a secret, right? They if probably knew the that chief. going into it. Right. Right. Yeah. So they might have already known that. So Sure. Okay. I mean, hey. All right. <laughs> So the company soon uh, brought Bond's employee, William Fold, William Fold, into the fold. <laughs> they began to produce boards. Um, and then that's when it started to become a hit. So they started quickly opening additional factories um, before Kennard and Bond's unceremonious booting out of the business. Oh, <laughs> okay. So they got kicked out. So Fold took over, but he strangely died in 1927 after falling from the roof of one of the new factories, one that the, he claimed that the Ouija told him to build, um, the Ouija apparently told him to prepare for big business. And so he had opened this new factory and was up um, doing something with the, the flagpole, is what it seemed, with the story goes. And oh, okay. he fell off the roof and died. Weird. Yeah. You did uh, something a Ouija board fucking told you to. And then you died. Right. And it didn't end well. So 
the Ouija, the wonderful talking board uh, game became a cultural staple when it hit shelves for $1.50 in 1891. Um, it a became dollar, a direct that was a lot of money in a dollar. It was. A dollar fifty in eighteen ninety one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it became you know you could talk to your ancestors or your you know people that you knew that had passed away, um, and <laughs> the Ouija board began to pair like in sketches and major newspapers and it grew in popularity. It just you know kept going and going. Um, when it was invented during Victorian times, um, it broke a lot of rules. So at the time, you weren't supposed to be alone with members of the opposite sex. And people weren't supposed to be touching. So the Ouija board was built so that you like put it on your knees and the, your fingers would touch uh, when you were moving the cursor around. So it kind of became an ultimate date game. Why, um, why original, not a table? I don't know. I don't. I didn't make this up. This is. Just, like, I didn't make the Ouija board. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. I think maybe I don't know. It's portable. Uh, so the original direction said that for best results, they should use with um, two people, uh, a lady and a gentleman, and that's why men wanted to buy it for women, uh, so that they could use it together. So the Ouija board became like a very Victorian version of flirting. Um, Ew, really? Yeah. So, you know, because then they weren't allowed to touch or be alone or do anything. So that the Ouija board kind of facilitated that and they were able to get close together. Okay. All right. And um, in that sense, the Ouija board like continued to be date facilitators um, into the 20th century. In the summer of 1919, the painter Norman Rockwell and a friend happened upon a dance hall in New York and they were watching the young people there and they weren't just like chatting and dancing. They were pairing off, you know, along the sides to take their turns with the Ouija boards. So he created an image, um, flirting via the future, um, which, yeah, thank you for putting that up. Um, that then graced the cover of the May 1st, 1920, uh, Saturday evening post, um, which, you know, was the image that he had painted, um, and he said it suggests the hope and the unpredictability of a new American dec- decade. A young couple, fingers, tips touching, and legs interlocked, um, going to answer the question. So Rockwell named the painting Ouija Board. Wow. I mean, and look yeah. at the blush on their cheeks that he added. and Yeah. I mean, like... that was a big deal, you know, getting close to the person that you liked and, no, yeah, kind of risque. Uh-huh. Very risque. I mean, like, look at the look at her. I don't know. It's, yeah. He, I love Norman Rockwell. He was, wow. Look yeah. at that. So huh. very fun, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It is I mean, this crazy. is kind of, Yeah. So it's quite logical that the board would find its greatest popularity in uncertain times, right? So when people Hmm. um, were looking for answers, um, so the 1910s and 20s with the devastations of World War I and the manic years of the Jazz Edge and Prohibition, um, there were surges in the Ouija popularity. Um, Again, during the Great Depression, the Fold Company opened new factories to meet demand for the boards. Over five months in 1944, a single New York department store sold 50,000 of them. 
Right. And in 1967, the year after Parker Brothers bought the game from the Fold Company, two million boards were sold, outselling Monopoly. In what um, year? And that was 1967. And that was the only time that's ever happened. And um, that was when they were um, increasing the American troops in Vietnam. That was about the time my mom played it with her, her cousin Terry. Yeah. It was, su- I mean, again, super popular. Parker Brothers, you know. Yeah. Two million boards. That's crazy. In one year. In a, a year. Lot. Yeah. Mm. Oh. So, right. I don't so, love Ouija boards. This whole thing. Like Laura suggested it to me and I was like, it's great, but I don't want to talk about it at all. <laughs> but it's, interesting. A, it's a fabulous. Yeah. Story. yeah super interesting. Um, so, of course, strange Ouija tales um, became Frequent uh, titilizing appearances in American newspapers. That's where I shine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 1920, uh, National Wire Service reported that would-be crime solvers were trying to use their Ouija boards for clues in the mysterious murder of a New York City gambler. Oh, uh, I love that. Elwell. Yeah, and that was like just pissing off the police. <laughs> <laughs> Early days so, armchair detectives. I love it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, with their Ouija boards out. Yeah. So in 1921, the New York Times reported that a Chicago woman was being sent to a psychiatric hospital, um, and she tried to explain to her doctors that she wasn't suffering from mania, but the Ouija spirits had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. Yeah. In 1930, newspaper readers thrilled to accounts of two women in Buffalo, New York, who'd murdered another woman, supposedly on the encouragement of the Ouija board messages. Yeah. In 1958, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of Mrs. Helen Dow Peck, who left only $1,000 to former servants and an insane 152000 to Mr. John Gale Forbes, who was a lucky but bodiless spirit who contacted her for the Ouija board. <laughs> so, yeah. Lucky oh. guy. <laughs> So Clever the guy. Continued. Right, I mean, come on. So, I mean, the Ouija has been, you know, has been around on the periphery of American culture. Um, yeah. You know, besides some, like, odd stories like what I kind of just went over, it was just, you know, yeah. it was not very, something that was considered threatening. It was actually very, considered very Americana. Yeah. Um, and very Certainly entertaining. Normal. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely harmless, really, yeah. right? Until 1973. Um, yeah. Um, in that year, The Exorcist scared the pants off people in theaters. Um, and it suppo- you know, was based supposedly on a true story. So, with the implication Roland that... Roland Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, with the implication that a 12-year-old was possessed by a demon after playing with a Ouija board, um, really changed how people saw the board. Um, yeah. you know, it kind of did for, for the Ouija board, which showers, you know, what psycho did for showers, just oh, like God, everybody, yes. you know, all of a sudden was terrified of them. And, you know, now it had a very yeah demonic idea right behind it. And as opposed to, um, originally when it, you know, it when was Norman Rockwell was make, painting, yeah, drawing was painting it. Yeah, exactly, 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 exactly. It's funny that you say that about 
what Psycho did for showers. Because my mom, one of my favorite stories of my mom growing up, she went and saw mm. Psycho in the theater when it came out. And she oh, was yeah. so scared because it was filmed and based in in Phoenix. Um, and Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I guess I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. So the Westward Ho in downtown Phoenix, that's mm-hmm. in Psycho. And yeah, so it was filmed and based in Phoenix. So my mom went and saw it in the theater. <laughs> oh, and, no, Nancy. Mm-hmm. She got so scared. <laughs> she got up and she ran out of the theater because she was so scared after that shower scene. But when she ran outside, it was raining. <laughs> Oh, no, so you can't get away from it? (laughs) She was so emotionally overwhelmed by the scene, and then she ran out to get escape it, and it was raining, and she threw up orange popsicle all over the theater, all over the front of, like, the sidewalk in front of the theater. And that's one of my, every time, yeah, I think about that. Every time we see the Westward Ho, when we go, like, even by downtown, it's a very iconic building in Phoenix. Um, or when somebody mentions that scene, I'm like, oh yeah, uh, that scene scared my mom so bad she ran outside and it was raining and she threw up orange popsicle all over the theater. So I just, yeah. Oh no. I know. Yeah. It, it, um. I feel for him. Feel for Yeah. That's so awful. It's awful. My mom told me that was scary too. And she used to tell me stories about people when she tried to go see the exorcist, like people were leaving the theaters and like throwing up everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like it was literally making them sick. Yeah, I had watched a documentary on it, and it was, for 1973, that was, like, Faces of Death, Eli Roth-level gore and horror, yeah. Absolutely. Which, also, I've I've seen all of his movies, and I have seen all of the Faces of Death. And The Exorcist still is one of the most terrifying, the most terrifying thing I've ever watched. Mm Mm-hmm. I will Still, never. Huh? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, I, I hate it. I we talk about oh, it a lot on this podcast because we're a paranormal podcast. But of course, right? Yeah, no, no. I, I that exor the Exorcist is what mm-hmm. mm-mm, terrifying, terrifying. I hate doing possession stories. We do them on this show because mm-hmm. they're important. Like we just did one. We just did one. Yeah. The possession of Anna Eklund. Mm-hmm. But no, hate it, all of it. Oh, terrifying. Anyway, please get back to your, your tail. All right. Well, I'm like I feel like I'm going to throw up orange popsicle. Learn, right. <laughs> obviously, you want to learn more about uh, Roland Doe. We do uh, cover that in uh, one of our previous episodes. So go ahead and scroll back to that one, and you can uh, hear all of the wonderful things about that. Yeah, that the um, episode number escapes us. Otherwise, we tell you. I exactly. Even, I don't even. Um, and we don't. She doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so almost overnight after the Exorcist came out, um, the Ouija then became a tool for the devil, right? Um, and it started coming up in scary movies, and you know, at, at opening the door to this evil spirits. Um, and outside the theaters, um, the Ouija board then, you know, became hated by by Christian groups. They were burning them. Um, yeah, I mean, even as recently as 2011, the 700 Club host Pat Robertson declared that demons can reach us through the board. So even I mean, inside he's the paranormal right, community, but that was dramatic. Yeah, he's yeah. Right, but, but even within the paranormal community, 
um, the Ouija boards have a dodgy reputation, right? So people say that they don't want to be around them. Like, you don't want to be around them. You say that, yeah, you don't like it. You're not going to go play with one. I didn't even want to do that. I didn't even want to talk about this. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, they're still selling hundreds of thousands of them, but the reason that people want them now has changed. (coughs) Sorry. Um, Instead of being, like, spiritual and harmless, they're, like, dangerous, right? Right. So, (coughs) sorry. Hold on, let me take a drink. So, again, with the Ouija board and spiritualism, that they're still very much alive in our culture today. They're not going Sadly. anywhere. Nope. Yeah, but I mean, and they have different connotations, right, obviously, from when it started, but yeah. the right, are you laughing at me? Um, I'm like... Spiritualism <laughs> is now so, so popular, I don't think people really view it as a religious movement at all it's just part of our culture like if you believe in that afterlife and ghosts and people being able to contact you that goes hand in hand it goes with christian beliefs or anybody else like um i agree so it's very much a part of everybody's culture a lot of people's religion um it's on our tv shows it's in our popular culture everywhere it is so i mean this is this is really weaved into us so some of the best movies I've ever seen are based on what a person or a family did um, after they played with a Ouija board. Like, what happened after that? Some of my favorite movies, and I'm a huge, my favorite genre is horror. Um, Mm. A lot of these movies are, you know, the basis of their story is this is what happened after so-and-so played with a Ouija board. I hate it. I will never touch one. (laughs) But... You know, I'm voyeuristic enough to be like, I want to watch what happened to you when you touched one. I don't. Right. <laughs> it's not me. I'll be here eating popcorn. while you're over there. Watching yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. A thousand percent. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, now you know where they come from. So that is the history of spiritualism and the Ouija board. That was excellent, honey. Good job. Thank Yay! You. Oh, look, people can see me applaud you now. I know, right? Yay. Good job. Good job. Thank you. This is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant topic. And you're right. It, it is important to tell, especially for a paranormal podcast. Let's go all the way back to when this all began, right? Um, so very, very, very good job. I'm, well, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you picked it. I get to tell the terrible part of it. Uh, and I'm not right, looking forward to that. Which is your favorite. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> oh, God. The research alone, like, made me want to throw up. But... Um, it is. I'm glad you picked it because this is oh, well, actually it's been a lot of fun, and your history was really brilliant. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. I learned a lot. To be I honest, know, like right? one of the reasons I picked it was I was so interested in it to find out like yeah. kind of how it all started, and then I, I mean, I just learned so much. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. To find out where all this comes from. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get started with the. Um, other side of this, what happened to the folks that actually used the Ouija board and it didn't go so great? So, uh, <laughs> as I um, was clear in Laura's part, I can't stand Ouija boards. I, I don't love them. I think they're very dangerous. Um, 
and I, <laughs> uh, because I tried to be a responsible podcaster, I want to tell you some of the most terrifying things that have happened to people that have used Ouija boards, in case anybody was thinking about maybe fucking using one. Um, so, <laughs> are we ready to hear some really creepy shit? I know I am. I mean. I'm really ready. I love the 100%. creepy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So here yeah. we go. <laughs> Tell me. Here we Tell go. me all the bad, terrible, horrible shit. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. So here are my sources. They are cosmopolitan.com. Yes. Cosmo. Uh, thoughtcatalog.com. Buzzfeed.com. The lineup. Thrillist. And all that's interesting. All.com. So. Okay. Oh, God. Not only did I have to research it and read it and pick and choose <laughs> the scary stories, now I get to talk about it again. Um, so this story uh, uh, is, I'm quoting everybody. Like, I didn't paraphrase this. This is all verbatim what they wrote. So this very first story sucks beyond the telling of it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so, quote, I was about 12 or 13, spending the night at a friend's house, goofing around with the Ouija board with him and his sister. Goofing around. Oh. Mm -hmm. As we do. As we do. Uh, we were all getting sort of gibberish um, words, plus actual words spelled out. And just kind of scaring ourselves for fun, not taking it very seriously. Probably their first mistake. Uh, then we got the message, I can see you through the window. And then I can see you through his eyes or something like that. Ew. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. There was just a small window in the basement room where we were because of course they were doing it in a fucking basement. Um, as you do. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and just <laughs> the back, the backyard and woods past the driveway that were visible through the window. We asked some more questions, and it said, I'm under the car. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. So it gets worse yeah. in that what they did. So <laughs> they go on to say, so we somehow got up the nerve to go outside with a flashlight and peer under the car. Where we saw a huge black stray cat hissing. We ran inside freaking out. And at that exact moment, the power failed. And all the lights in the house went out. We just about actually shit ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. probably would have too. <laughs> yeah. That's like the best slumber party story ever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a few minutes later, the power came back and we sat up until dawn scared and never played with the board again i was like yeah that's a, mm -mm. i can see you through the window mm -mm. no fuck that goodbye mm -mm. nope that sounds like some very those were definitely kids who grew up in the 80s <laughs> because yes like we played with the ouija like every slumber party did all the weird 
light as a feather, stiff as a board. Uh huh. The Bloody Marys. You know what I mean? All of it. Like, all of it. And then we would be dumb enough and free enough to go outside and, yeah. I can see you under the car. Stupid. Oh, okay. Let's go look under the car. Right? Yeah. No. Exactly. This is why serial killers were so successful in the 80s. (laughs) Because we were all fucking dumb. A thousand percent. We really need to start a true crime podcast because (laughs) goddamn. So this one is, uh, you know, I'm not going to preface them anymore, guys. They're all just terrible. Um, (laughs) This one is, says, quote, when I was little, my mom took out a Ouija board and asked my brother and I if we'd like to play with it. Their mother. Okay. Not judging. Parenting is hard enough. Um, <laughs> they go on to say, it started out pretty funny. Someone was obviously moving the glass the glass thing, which, by the way, guys, mm-hmm. it's called a planchette. Um, mm-hmm. Making words like poop and stuff like that. Did I mention we were right. young enough for that to be hilarious? <laughs> so they were at least 44. Um, right. 100%. <laughs> yes. Um, but then my mom said, let's get serious and try to contact someone. Here's where it's, it gets weird. So a friend of hers had recently gone missing. He'd been missing for a month or so, and nobody knew where he was. When we asked who it was we were talking to, his name was spelled out. Let's just say it was George, since I, don't, uh, since I genuinely don't remember. When we asked George if he was my mom's friend, he said yes. My mom got visibly upset and asked where he was. In a lake, it spelled out. It was extremely upsetting, and we stopped immediately. My mom tried to be lighthearted about it because we were young. Um, I believed it was no big deal as well, following her lead. About two weeks later... They found George's body. He'd been hit by some car or train or something on a bridge, and his body fell into the nearby lake, though it was more like a very large pond. It was a reasonably remote place, so nobody had found him for a while. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. That's a good story. Yeah. I was like, "Mm, nope. If any of my friends die or they go missing or I'm not going to try to contact you on a Ouija board. I know the different ways I can contact you and you're just going to have to fucking come through on a spirit box. Laura, sorry. (laughs) Carrie, you know, I love to spell. (laughs) I don't like to pronounce words correctly, but I do like to, I can't do. I like to spell them out. (laughs) (sighs) So the next one says, quote, my first mistake was insulting it. Mm. My friend had mentioned that she had a Ouija board, so I asked her to pull the board out so I could check it out. At first she said no, but then agreed to do it as long as she didn't have to participate. That sounds like me. I'm going to have it. You can play with it, right. Laura, but I don't want any part of this. Because, <laughs> like, that's going to protect me. If you play with it. Even though it's mine, right. I'm safe. I'm sure you'll be fine. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. So 
as after she had set the board up, because then then the girl had to then like show the other friend like how to use it. Okay. Right. Um, okay. After she had set the board up, I asked her, I asked, is there anyone in here? And I got nothing. So being a teenager, I said, if anything is in here and not talking, you're a coward. The board was put away after that. The minute I read this, I was like, mm, I don't even want to keep going with this because I know where it's going. Fast forward about a week later and have me sleeping upstairs on my couch. I wake up on a typical, on a stereotypical stormy night. Thunder, lightning, wind, rain, the works. Mm -hmm. I look around to see why I woke up and I couldn't see a thing. And I decide to try to fall back to sleep. After laying there for about 30 seconds, I hear from downstairs, get the boy. In a very raspy, wispy voice. I open my eyes and listen. Nothing. Start to go back to sleep. Get the boy. In a much louder voice this time. Then my downstairs door slams. And I freak the fuck out because nobody slept downstairs. And we had no drafts in the house. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. 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 This next one is titled A Creepy Doll. Right away, I'm like, don't read it, Carrie. Don't read it. Don't read it. Already, I'm off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, hate like, the, I hate creepy dolls. <laughs> like, you have your things, like fucking dolls every fucking time. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Yuck, 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 yuck. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, yeah, they're awful. I'm they're... off every time. Mm hmm. All right. Take another swig because this one sucks. All right. So it starts with, I have a terrifying story about a Ouija board. I got a call from my cousin who said that he, his brother, and his dad, and his best friend were using a Ouija board in where? (gasps) Their basement. So prior to starting, they took a large porcelain doll out of the room because it was creepy, as we all expect. As they all are. Mm Mm-hmm. And they placed it in an adjacent room face down on a pile of towels. So he goes on to say, my cousin took a short break because the board was just spouting nonsense. His dad and Mm -hmm. brother and friend started asking the board questions without him. One of the questions was who is in the other room? It just started spouting random numbers. When my cousin came back into the room, his brother said that the board wasn't working and that they were going to put it away. And he showed them the answer to the last question, which was who's in the other room and the board was just spouting random numbers. Mm-hmm. So they showed him the answer to the last question. And my cousin said, dude, that's my social security number. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That's fucking uh, crazy. Yeah, I know. Then they started to talk to whatever started spewing answers out. It told my cousin he would die in the Air Force. At this point, they tell the entity that they are commuting commuting with. <laughs> they're taking the bus with. <laughs> no. They're on the same train. <laughs> they're all on the same train, right. Um, at this point, they tell the, <laughs> the entity... They asked the entity who they are communicating with to prove itself. 
it then spelled out the word D-O-L-L. And they were like, what the fuck? So they opened Mm. the door to double check on the porcelain doll they had laid in the other room, again, face down on a pile of towels. When they opened Mm. the door, the doll was standing up right in front of the door, staring at them. Everyone freaked out and ran out of the house. His best friend burned the Ouija board, and I think he temporarily went nuts for a few months. (laughs) I mean... Should have burned the fucking doll. Burn the fucking doll. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My cousin, for some reason, then joined the Air Force and is on a base in Europe now. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, don't love that. Uh, Mm -hmm. the, The social security number thing? Ooh, I was like... LifeLock doesn't cover this. LifeLock doesn't cover this. (laughs) It does not cover getting hacked by a Ouija board. Uh, uh, Like, are you telling everybody around this? Like, (laughs) how do I explain this identity theft for my credit card? You can't claim spiritual identity theft. It's (laughs) not a thing. It's not a thing. So it should be. It should be. LifeLock. LifeLock. Life yes, we have got amazing spiritual identity theft. Spiritual identity theft. <laughs> I think that's a new sticker. Right. Okay. So the next one is titled Choked. So already. Great. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yay. So it they write, quote. I'm really trying hard not to laugh hysterically out of just pure nerves because I hate all of this so bad. (laughs) So I'm like, when I I'm nervous, when I am nervous, I I laugh because it's just a a thing. Mm. So they go on to say, quote, I have no evidence and I do not care if you believe me. (laughs) I've used, (laughs) I've used a board with results. I mean, yeah. And let's, I've used a board with results and let something into my home. No. And I have been physically assaulted by this entity. Mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. It started out with that feeling like you're being watched. Doors closing. Footsteps on the hardwood when you're home alone. And progressed slowly into being kept awake by something shaking the bed or pulling off my covers. Well, that would just piss me off. It really would. It would. I sleep with mm-hmm. three dogs, and so that happens anyway. So, right. I, I, you know what? So you I'm already gonna, have the entities? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, and I'm not going to tell them how to make it worse for me. Um, <laughs> sometimes even whispering my name. The board would disappear for days on end and then show up in places I never would have put it. I became obsessed with it. Problem number five in this entire right. story. <laughs> then it was a black mass in the corner of my room or the silhouette of a man watching me from the doorway. After that, it escalated pretty quickly. It escalated after that? Right? Mm-mm. Honey, it is bad already. <laughs> I had my hair pulled, fingers pricked, scratched, choked, held down in bed while this thing whispered in my ear in what could only have been Latin. So, 
maybe Zane practicing his homework. I don't really know. I it's not good whatever Which, it is. One would I would think that he was probably possessed if he actually did his fucking Latin homework, so <laughs> I'd be like, what has happened? Why are you speaking Latin? It's creepy. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> So, Luckily, my kid's never going to learn it because he never does his homework. <laughs> thank God. Mm-hmm. So they go on to say, we had our house blessed and the bad thing hasn't shown back up. Just normal occurrences now. What does that mean? <laughs> Nothing great. You should not have a ghost in your house. That's right. not... If you have normal occurrences, that's not... No. He thought the um, fucking mist in the, the corner of the room was fine. <laughs> yeah, and then it escalated. Right. I think his uh, his baseline yeah. for normal is a little bit skewed. A, a little skewed, yes. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, finishes by saying, I will never play with one of those boards again. Uh, I mean, He's at least a, a lesson was learned, and that's all I'm asking for here. Right. Really. Um, the next one, and this... I'm not even, again, I just, I I hate all of it. They say, quote, a girl brought her authentic Ouija board made out of maple straight from Salem. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Already powerful. Ironically, she was very Catholic, but loved her board. Now, like you were talking about, Laura, in your part, it, there came a point where the church was like, fuck these boards. You need to stop playing with them. It became. But that didn't. But nobody cared until like nine. Until the exorcism stuff came up. Like before then, it was 100% allowed. Like it wasn't considered bad at all. Like spiritualism kind of went hand in hand with. Yeah. Catholicism or Christianity, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she goes on to say she loved her board and it was a very interesting few nights in the dorm with it. I think the second night we were playing with it and it was going slow, not much movement, meh. When they said meh, I was like, I relate to that. I say meh Mm -hmm. all the time. They go on to say, I had my hand off the planchette because I wasn't so sure about the thing. Suddenly, it was like cold fingers grabbed into my shoulders ever so slightly, and this terrible feeling in the back of my mind just came to the surface. I looked at the board, and the planchette started moving in a demonic pattern. I think figure eights this time. I looked at the girl and said, I have a bad feeling about that, in time for her to realize what was happening. She stopped the movement and bid the spirit goodbye. In that moment, the icy grip loosened and all was well. Everyone was like, whoa. When the girl explained that the figure eight meant something was trying to get out of the board. This is actually common lore that goes along with Ouija usage. So remember that because I'm going to circle back to it real quick here. All right. Yeah. You're like, I don't want you to do that. Okay. Mental note. (laughs) Don't have that fucking shit happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So this next 
post is called, quote, This Message from the Beyond. Okay. And it starts with, My soccer team had a sleepover at our gym and we played with a Ouija board. Nothing too eventful happened until the board spell out, spelled out T-H-I-R-S-T-Y, thirsty, and F-I-R-E, fire, and H-E-L-P, help. We closed out the board. When we went back to school a few days later, we asked the athletic director whose office was in the gym if he knew the story of the history of the gym. He told us that the gym had actually burned down a long time ago and was rebuilt, but a man had actually died in the fire. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Thirst, fire, and help. Nice. Yeah. The last little tale I have to tell is called This Surprise Demon. And it's <laughs> it starts... Are they ever, like, not surprising? I think every demon should be a fucking surprise. (laughs) It really should be. If it's not, there's already like a huge problem. I really don't want to be playing Ouija board with you. It should always be a surprise. (laughs) Exactly. Always surprise demon. Always. Um, So it says, quote, a few months ago, my friend brought over her Ouija board. It's always a fucking friend with a goddamn board. A friend. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. There were about five of us at the sleepover, and when we began using the board, we met Joe. After an hour of speaking with Joe, one girl asked, Joe, are you a bad spirit? Joe spelled out N-O. Then he spelled out H-I-M. We asked what he was talking about, and he spelled out H-E-S-C-O-M-I-N-G. Then began to spell out Z-O-Z-O. The next morning, we tried again. This time speaking to someone claiming to be Joe's wife. We asked her, is Joe a bad spirit? She quickly responded, Y-E-S. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. So... Now, if we remember back to some of the more famous stories that we have ever heard, the case of the Enfield Poltergeist, which we did cover on this podcast in episode 13, actually began when Janet and her sister Margaret played with a Ouija board in their bedroom. That's depicted in the movie and is actually one of the more accurate parts of the real story in the film. A lot of it, again, Hollywood creative license. Now, another thing is that actress Andy McDowell said she and her sisters used to use a Ouija board all the time to communicate with the dead and has actually said that her deceased uncle predicted her rise to fame. So she was the girl in... Four weddings and a few. I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's great. Groundhog Day. Yeah, she's really, really great. So, back to this surprise demon. Mm -hmm. 
In March 2009, a man named Darren Evans shared his own personal experiences with a Ouija board on the online site True Ghost Tales. His story revolves around encounters with a specific entity named Zozo. These interactions Mm -hmm. follow a pattern recognizable to people familiar with Ouija board sessions gone awry. The entity first manifests itself as a friendly spirit, but subsequent communications reveal its true hostile nature. Hmm. Yeah, don't love it. Hate all of this. All right. If this episode wasn't so great, I'd be like, burn it in a fucking dumpster fire. I hate it. <laughs> According to Evans, Zozo predi- proceeded to threaten him and his loved ones. For example, um, he claimed that his then-girlfriend underwent a stark personality change after the entity declared its intention to possess her. The problems actually didn't end there. Allegedly, his young daughter nearly drowned in a bathtub and would later be hospitalized for a mysterious infection. While these incidents can actually be easily explained, the guy sincerely believed that he and his family were under demonic assault by this demon. Zozo or whatever. Right. Okay. Less easily explained away were strange occurrences around the home. Apparently, house guests said they heard voices coming from within, coming from inside the walls. Gross. Mm-hmm. Lights would turn on and off by themselves. Doors would unlock and open without any help. Don't love that. <laughs> All these incidents are classic hallmarks of a haunting, right? Possibly Mm -hmm. by an entity who used a spirit board as a conduit to enter our world and now refuses to leave. So, given these unusual experiences, you would actually think that this Evans guy would stop using the Ouija board. Except that he didn't. And even the most hardened skeptics would probably decide to leave the thing alone at this point. Um, By all accounts... He was the opposite of a skeptic, and by his own admission, he kept using the spirit board despite warning other people away from any entity that calls itself Zozo. God, I hate saying the name. Yeah, so I know all knock on wood. Uh huh. All the wood, Michael, Saint Michael, please, please, please. (laughs) Barriers of light protection. Despite Evans's tale not being especially unique from other unlucky Ouija board users, um, mm. Zozo would go on to take over the paranormal world. Evans's encounter went viral, and more alleged mm. Zozo stories sprouted up across the internet, <laughs> many of which ended up being retold on various podcasts. There you go. <laughs> and covered by many YouTube channels. Um, I have heard of this demon before. A couple of my favorite paranormal podcasts have covered, done sole episodes on this particular Ouija board demon. Really? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the stories typically followed a similar pattern to the traditional Ouija board encounter. A person holds a session with a Ouija board. They communicate with an entity that may start out friendly, but always ends up hostile. Sometimes strange occurrences take place during the session or shortly after, but in every one of these encounters, the identity identify or no, 
the entity identifies itself as Zozo. Mm-hmm. So who is this demon? Zozo. Yes. Stop saying the name, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. The Zozo demon, sometimes stylized as capital Z, little o, capital Z, little o, or all capitals, is a mysterious mm-hmm. trickster entity known for stalking people through Ouija boards. Those who claim they have made contact with them, um, and this demon also goes by Zaza, Mama, Oz, Zo, Za, and Abacus. Huh. I don't... Weird. All right. Maybe he's the demon of math, in which case he's terrifying. <laughs> Already a bad guy. Already a bad guy. Um... They say he often shows himself by guiding the planchette into figure eight formations before frantically zooming back and forth between the letters Z and O. His interactions, again, start out friendly but grow malicious. Mm -hmm. He's known for cursing at and threatening contactees, sometimes personally. So, you know, when we've had too much to drink. Right. Generally. Well, he's Seems innocuous, so a little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. some of my best friends. Uh, <laughs> while he's often wrangled by a Ouija board, some believe that saying his name out loud can summon him from the depths of hell. Oh, good times. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I'm so glad you brought him up. Later. Yeah, I know. And I was like, wait, wait, stop saying it, because I'm going to tell you later <laughs> why you shouldn't say it. Right. Yeah. So... This demon's believers claim that the demon has ancient origins, either African or Sumerian, depending on who you ask. While those claims can't actually be substantiated, they actually may be confusing him for Pazuzu, a Mesopotamian wind demon who famously appeared in The Exorcist as the demon that possessed Reagan. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a supernatural entity called Zozo was referenced in the 1818 French text. And Laura, you have you have tried to learn the French language. You've been to France a gazillion times. I'm going to butcher this. You correct me, please. Um, oh, I don't know if I can, but I'll try. <laughs> the 1818 French text... Le Dictionnaire, I totally put a Spanish inflection on that. Inferno. Mm-hmm. Good? With Inferno. Yeah, yeah. Heavy, mm-hmm. heavy American accent? Okay. Great. Do it. Okay. Doing great. Thank you. So, uh, this demonological, whoa! Look at you. Look at me with, with all the, your big that, words. Oh. Uh, look at me go. I'm so proud. Demonological. I said it again. Wow. Oh. That never happens. Uh, Encyclopedia, written by French author Jacques-Auguste Simon Colin de Plancy. Did I fuck that up? I have no idea, but there's a lot of fucking names. Okay. Way too many. <laughs> okay. We're going to call him too Jacques. Many. Jacques. All right. Good, good call. He recounts the story of a young village girl who claimed she had been possessed by three demons named Mimi. Mm. 
him, Zoro, mm-hmm. and I am absolutely going to butcher this French name. Please correct me. Crapulette. Uh, it'd be well. There's a T on the end. C R A P O U L E. Crapulet. Yeah, probably. Okay. Crapulet. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing too, dude. I haven't even yeah okay. spoken French okay. or done anything in a long time. Okay, but you text me in French letters all the time. Because I have both languages on my phone. <laughs> so like my autocorrect fucks up in two languages. It's great. Oh good. Good. Great. <laughs> it just starts throwing accents on stuff. I'm like, whatever, it's close enough. Who cares? They get it. It's good, it's good enough. <laughs> Okay. So, according to the website, The Paranormal Scholar, accurately translating the text of Le Dictionnaire Infernal, why do I throw mm. an, you know what, I live in Arizona. I don't know. It just makes it fun. Go ahead. Latin accent shows that mm. the, the girl, the translation actually shows that the girl's story was faked. Quote, she rattled nonsense, the author wrote, adding that the girl had Mm -hmm. been publicly beaten years before for faking possession and was eventually imprisoned for her fibs. He goes on to describe what he believed to be the to be genuine cases of demonic activity, ending the Zozo extract with the sentence. Nonetheless, there are real cases of possession. So. There could be a more real-world explanation behind this Ouija board demon phenomenon. In mm-hmm. 1972, psychologists tested whether people can communicate with the paranormal through only persuasion or human will in what's known as the Philip experiment. The study made up a fictional person named Philip Aylesford, and instructed a group of people to run a seance in order to summon his ghost. The group became convinced that they could feel Philip's presence. They heard knocking sounds coming from the table. They felt the table vibrate. At one point, they even saw the table tilt up onto two legs. And I know that in your research, you came across all of these same Mm -hmm. phenomena that, that... people that claim to be mediums were using, which is the whole purpose of why Harry Houdini was out to debunk them, right? Because he was a master illusionist. He knew what they were doing to scam these people, right? Exactly. So this is essentially what was happening. They were sure that they had, this group was sure that they had spoken to Philip's ghost and that he had answered their questions. They did not know that in truth, Philip was just someone that the researchers had made up. The researchers concluded that the human mind can, in fact, create spirits on its own will simply through a bit of persuasion and imagination. Hmm. At least, that's how skeptics explain what's going on in the case of the mass Zozo demon terror. But the terrifying reality is... And I agree with this, that in either case, the demons are real and whether they are in our minds or elsewhere is to be debated. It's hard to say which is more terrifying. The idea that a supernatural demon can possess a child's toy or the idea that a demon of the mind 
exists in our own subconscious, convincing us that what we most fear is real. And I want to bring that up because I do realize that in bringing up that study, in bringing up um, what those people went through, and by just, like, you are talking about a lot on this podcast, the power of suggestion and how that can influence a person's um, perception and what they see and what they experience. Mm -hmm. I'm very aware that that flies directly in the face of what me and my team do as paranormal investigators. I think that when I say that it's because I think that a lot of times, and we've talked about this, um, you get, especially, you know, we talk about the slumber parties we used to have. We'd pull at the Ouija board. Of course, like we're all little girls and we want to be scared and we probably just watched a scary movie. We probably just watched Freddy or Jason, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Something. Mm -hmm. And we want to be afraid, you know, and they actually, they had another study too, about something, uh, I didn't look too much into it, but the study of how like um, your hands will work together and kind of almost power suggestion, like make you come up with stuff. Um, yeah. It, there, the there's board, a, a scientific pho- like explanation a for why the yeah. Ouija board works. Yes. Right. Yeah. So um, and I'm not like discounting that, that it could never happen or whatever, but Neither. Um, Neither. I don't think that, the Ouija board is evil. I mean, in and of itself, right? Okay. I think, and I do think a lot of times there is so much power of suggestion, especially built around the pop culture of the Ouija board, because it was never thought of like that before. Right. So right. then all of a sudden it's like, now it's this terrible thing. Yeah. When really it's probably just the way that we're, our mind going into it, the power of suggestion, the intentions, the, you know, everything that goes along with that. The stories that you've heard, it's all in your head, right? So I think the majority of the stuff of the Ouija board can be very much in your head. Again, you know, not saying that there's not ever demons out there or anything like that, but, um, or evil or what have you. But I think that a lot of it is, especially with the Ouija board, um, very much like how you, what you're thinking of going into it. Right, right. I agree. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. And I bring up, and I, I actually debated in including that study in my research, because like I said, it really does kind of fly in the face of, of what I do and what my team does as paranormal investigators. But Mm -hmm. I really think that, But there's a lot more science stuff that's happening too. Like there's a lot more, you're catching stuff like, you know, with photograph and video. Right. Yeah. EMF and, um, you know, EVPs, stuff that like wasn't available back then too. Right. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think that the Ouija and the stuff that you're collecting are like on the same level. It's not, but it can, it can, like that, that, exact thing can be used to debunk really anything Mm -hmm. that anything that we do 
which is why mm-hmm. we do work so hard to we go into a location hearing the claims okay they're hearing knocking they're hearing this they're hearing that they're hearing what mm-hmm. have you um and we are genu- genu- gen- generally able to debunk some of this stuff. Um, right. For example, when we were at Trans Allegheny this, this past weekend, there was a, a situation where I had um, gone into the kitchen of the asylum. And mm-hmm. in it... It is. It had an old 1950s soda fountain, and it was the kind where you know it had the ice bin where you like push the drawer in and scoop the ice, and then you put it under the thing, and it you you filled the cup with soda or whatever. This thing was right. unplugged, was dusty, was dirty. There was mold growing in those tubes that yeah. bring the CO2 to the. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking through, and it's just heavy in this part of the building. It's just, the air is heavy, the feeling is heavy, I know what this place is, I know what happened in this building. It's that power of suggestion. We all mm-hmm. experience it, paranormal investigators and anybody else. And I'm walking right. through this kitchen alone, in the dark, with just a flashlight, and I'm filming this soda fountain and I'm filming like this dusty, the, the bricks in the walls are falling out because it's a, it's Mm. built in 1858. It's a fucking old building. And I walk past it and I'm walking into an even deeper part of the kitchen, deeper into this building. And Mm -hmm. I hear behind me this noise that I can only describe as a glug. Of a soda hmm. fountain that's not maybe working. You know when you put your cup under there mm-hmm. and it just kind of goes. And yeah, you know, right. Okay. Laura, it's one of the first times I have ever, ever <laughs> genuinely been terrified on an investigation. I'm a brave investigator. I will go into a section of a building that I've never been in before. I will go in there alone. I'm a brave right. investigator, and that, which is what I, know you I are. did. This scared me so badly. I, and I'll show you the video. We will show it on <laughs> the mini episode. But mm-hmm. you see me film it and walk by, and then I hear this glug. I spin mm-hmm. around so goddamn fast, and I'm like... Because there's no explanation for it. There's no explanation for it. So I finished doing my investigation and I immediately go out as fast as I can to find Chris and Audra. And I'm like, you guys, I need you to come in here and help me figure out what this noise is coming from. And we did. We spent a good 10 minutes. So there, there are parts of Trans-Allegheny that are leaking. And it can be right. from rain. It can be from whatever. There's no plumbing to any part of the building except for the first floor in that center lobby area and we hunted everywhere so it's like the floors are leaking and the roof is it's an old building that's an old building yeah right so and they have buckets everywhere to catch it so we're standing there and we're listening and we're listening to like drips of water in a bucket 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not it. That's that's not the sound. That's not the sound. And then we hear it again. And I'm like, that's it. That's the sound. And Chris was like, that does sound like it's coming from there. And he's looking at it and it's unplugged <laughs> and there's the the tubes are they're not it's just not functional this soda fountain but what we do is we hear it again and we hear it behind us well what it came from hmm. was a bucket in a janitor's closet in the kitchen shrouded by a tiny it was a tiny closet which just oh, emphasized wow. the sound of this water dripping into this bucket that made it sound like it was coming from this soda fountain. And that's what paranormal investigators today do. We will spend so much time trying to find the source of any weird random noise. If we can't, we'll call it unexplainable. That's what genuine paranormal yeah. investigators do. It's unexplainable. Not, Not necessarily paranormal. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um... So that's when you kind of, yeah. And you experienced that too at College Hill, right? When we heard that oxygen machine, Mm -hmm. we couldn't figure it out. We tried everything. And you did have some experiences where you did not stop looking for the source of that experience until you found it. And that was when those lights were happening and you were like, where is that coming from? Can it come from the road? And then you found out that it was Chris and Audra three rooms down and it was their flashlights that just happened to be but yeah just happened to hit a window that in happened to go way. down yeah and show up all the way down the hall in a yeah. different room yeah. and it was just fl- flashes exactly yeah but we i mean we figured it out it took us like 10 minutes i was like where is that coming from it can't be the mm-hmm. road it can't be wherever let's figure out where the light's coming from right and that's what genuine paranormal investigators do that's what they right. we go in not thinking, oh my God, there's a ton of ghosts here and we're going to capture everything. No, we we want to find out the actual causes for it. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't say enough the about the, the mm-hmm. folks that are training me to be a paranormal investigator. So I did include this this um, study and this that, that they had done and this kind of like trick that they had done to these study, you know, participants about the Ouija mm-hmm. board um, that doesn't, mean that I and a lot of my colleagues in the paranormal field don't believe that they are fabricated stories that the Ouija board is not a dangerous tool to use. So to that end, I do want to say that I did reach out to a number of professional paranormal investigators and members of the community to see what they had to say and what their thoughts were on the Ouija board. So, um, (laughs) Sam Baltrusis, who is an author, the host and producer of Paranormal Rewind. He was on travel channel shows such as Paranormal Night Shift and A Haunting, had this to say, quote, I am so against spirit boards of any kind. However, if you do use them, make sure you know how to close them out. The biggest issue is people don't know how to close. Also, they think they are talking to a spirit and it's something darker playing a trick on them. 
Tony Rathman, who is the co-founder of Entity Voices Paranormal Investigations, producer of Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence, and Andrea Perrin's show, A World Awakening, and one of my mentors and trainers in the paranormal field, said, quote, they are a spirit communication device, not unlike a spirit box or a digital recorder. The difference is that the energy being produced is third-party energy that from the spirit box or the recorder, and the spirit interacts with the device. In the case of a Ouija board, the humans are the energy source and (laughs) the interacting Mm. device as well, therefore more at risk. Plus, the people who use Ouija boards for the first time usually are unprepared and inexperienced and therefore targets if something not so friendly wants to come through. Lourdes Gonzalez, she is a host of Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence and a co-founder of Gognac Paranormal. She says, quote, I also agree with Tony on the Ouija. That's why I don't use them. I'm not experienced in it, and the few times I've used it in my younger years, it made me feel weird and strange, like I shouldn't be touching it, lol. I think we can all kind of agree with, like, at some point, it's just kind of weird. It is, yeah. Yeah. So my team members, um, also my mentors and my trainers in the paranormal field, Chris Allgood and Audra Keeler, they are also hosts of Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence, and they are the co-founders of Southern Entities Paranormal. They do agree with Tony. Audra actually went on to say, quote, I absolutely used a Ouija board once way back when. I did too. I admit it. Sleepovers at Miley's. It was a We all have. We all have. (laughs) Uh, she says, probably not older, any older than seventh grade. It was right before then that I started having bad dreams, so I wanted answers. Plus, I had some friends that thought it would be a hoot. I love Audra. <laughs> it was scary. So we did the light as a feather, stiff as a board game at the same time, and it freaking worked. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We played it all the time. And she all that stuff. Oh my god! Every slumber party. Yes, light as a feather, stiff as the board. The two finger. Uh It always worked, and it was of course magic. I mean, it was you know physics, but to a seventh grade, it was magic. Whatever, right? It's magic. Yeah. I also spoke to Anthony Simonelli, who is the founder and lead investigator of the Seekers Club of the Paranormal, featured on travel the Travel Channel show Paranormal Night Shift. He said, quote, I don't use a Ouija board. I believe if it's used correctly, it could be a good tool, but it seems that people today use it as a toy. They've been using it as a toy for a long time, but even more so now. And that's me saying that. He goes on to say, it seems to me that no one knows how to use it or close it today. That is very key. When I'm talking to these folks, closing it out is very key. You can't just... Summon a spirit, Put it away. have a chat, to talk, be talking to your grandma, and then just be like, okay, and then done. There, there's a actual right. process. Um, he says, a lot of houses I've been in cl- that claim to have activity had someone use a Ouija board in the past. Stop, guys, stop. <laughs> he said, I don't know how to close them. That's why I don't use them. I know people say the equipment we use today, like EMF, spirit boxes, and other equipments, are like a Ouija board. I don't think so. Our equipment are getting their power from batteries. The board... 
You shut your equipment off, shutting down that connection. When you shut it off, you turn the power right. to it off. Uh, a Ouija board, they're powered by people touching the board. That leaves the board open to whatever wants to come through. The equipment you know is shut off, and the Ouija board, you're not sure. I hope this helps. My brother and mother used Ouija boards a very long time ago. My mom with her friends, my brother with his friends. To this day, we've still got activity in the house. Wow. So I did speak with Tanya Webb, and Laura, you met her. She is the owner of the Old Hospital on College Hill in Williamson, West Virginia. They were featured on Destination Fear, and she said, I have never personally used one, but we do not allow anyone to use them at the hospital to afraid of what may appear. Wow. Yes. Patty, who you also met, said, quote, yes. My mom had an authentic one, lived by it. Of course, she also studied witchcraft. I never messed with one, but I am curious myself. I do know that her house had a strange feeling when you entered it. When she died, my sisters threw her Ouija board in the White River in Indiana. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. I always That's thought awesome. it was whatever you decide to put into it. If you go in believing, then you will find. Just tell whoever does use one to ex- use extreme caution. And I'm going to add myself to this uh, professional paranormal <laughs> investigation list of people and what they think about the Ouija board. What I have to say is nope, no, n- uh, no <laughs> way, and fuck no. Um, I think for me personally, the risk is too great uh, that something else would come through. I do think the difference between using it as a means of communication um, like the spirit box or digital recorder is intent, right? Mm-hmm. An electronic device cannot have intent. Very similar to what Anthony said. You can just shut that off. It's an electronic device. Right. They cannot have intent. But if you're using a Ouija board and you're using it with one or two or three or ten other people, even if one person's intent is to summon something else or just be open to summoning anything else, all bets are off, even if it's unspoken. Hmm. So, Good point. Yes. That is some of the more terrifying stories and some of the more, um, you know, different theories and ideas um, behind the Ouija board and... uh, the belief in of professionals in the paranormal field. I will say that a number of infamous locations, all of which we have covered here on this podcast, um, that you can actually visit forbid you from even bringing in a Ouija board, let alone using it. Ouija board, spirit board, conjuring devices of any kind. They will not allow you to bring them in the building. And they include the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, Trans-Allegheny, the Bel Air House, Waverly Hills. Uh, The Mystery House is actually to be announced. Uh, I couldn't find anything on their website if they allowed it. I kind of feel like they would just given that she was big into seances and she has an entire seance room, but you never know. Um, I do have a a call into their marketing director to ask if they Mm -hmm. do allow it. Uh, And then lastly, the Queen Mary. Um, When it was open, 
Surprisingly, yes. They do allow Ouija boards. They even oh. offered a special package uh, that included um, when you booked Suite B340. You could book mm-hmm. Suite B340. And when you did for the bargain price of $500 a night, mm-hmm. you would get this spiritual package that included a Ouija board, tarot cards, and a crystal ball. Sadly. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody that booked that suite got this package, including a Ouija board. Um, sadly, the Queen Mary is still closed um, since the outbreak of COVID and it may actually never reopen again, simply because the ship is in um, yeah great need of um, repair and it will cost in the millions of dollars. I think uh, the last that I read, Long Beach City Council was entertaining four different proposals, um, <clears throat> re-renovating it and keeping it as a hotel, um, moving it, dismantling it, or sinking it. So that's really unfortunate. That that that's that makes me very sad to think that they may. Never open again, and even more sad to think that they might actually sink it as a yeah as a as an educational reef or or what have you but um or that they may dismantle it um it's I, it's sad. iconic it's really iconic yeah. um so really that makes is. me sad, yeah, that makes me sad. But anyway, guys, that is uh, some of the more frightening stories that I could find of folks that actually used a Ouija board and um, what the paranormal community thinks about them. And yeah, so anywho, thank you. Yay, thank you. I'm excited. Um, So yeah. Yeah. What did you think, Laura, about the scary stories to tell in the dark? Um, well, I always enjoy that kind of stuff. Right. You know, it's of always course. fun. The, yeah. the, the, the story is always great. Of so, course. yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed all the stories and the history and everything. It was great. Uh, always interesting. I think Ouija will always kind of, like... Just capture our imagination. It will, right? Um, I think so too. Regardless, if you just so. played with them, you know, like me, like thirty years ago or more, you know, I haven't touched one in ages. I mean, you still, when you see one, or you you see the image, the iconic image, you you know, stuff comes to mind. It's very, it's so wrapped up in our pop, our pop culture, and it you know, is, has a lot too. to do with what you think about uh, spirits and such. So it's really interesting. I agree. And you know what? I never once associated light as a feather, stiff as a board with Ouija. When I was a kid, and it wasn't until Audra and Lourdes mentioned it, that 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 being kind of like in conjunction with the Ouija board, I was like, oh, really? I thought it was just a fun little, you know, there were, you know, seven of us and this one laid on the ground and then the, the rest of us just lifted her up in the air with our two finger. I never once mm. made any sort of connection that that we might be kind of trying to tap into. I was 12. Yeah, I, I mean, didn't we thought we were being know. like, yeah, magical. Yes. Spiritual. Or just very strong with our fingers and you can lift a friend. I, 
I don't even know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Um, It was still one of my very favorite games to this day. There you go. I might have taught my niece Emma to play it. Fuck. Oh, good. Good job. Don't, don't tell her parents. I hope they don't watch. Right, I won't. Anyway. I think we're safe. I mean, hopefully. Yeah. So, um, that is the end of our uh, story, guys. But we have decided with the launch of YouTube, we are going to add a new tiny piece to History of a Haunting. And that is called... Strange History. Now, Strange History was born um, when one of our very favorite guest hosts and our very dear friend, my best friend Jennifer, sent me this book for Christmas. It's called Strange History. And it's basically uh, a book about mysterious artifacts, macabre legends, boneheaded blunders, and mind-blowing facts about history. So, I am going to just randomly flip to... It's quick, guys, calm down. Um, (laughs) Randomly (laughs) flip to a piece of strange history in the book, and we're going to read it to you as uh, an attempt to bring even more levity to a very serious topic here on History of Haunting, because we're always dead serious. Oh, you see what I did there? (laughs) So serious. Dead serious. Oh. So we're going to end every episode with a bit of strange history. This week is five freaky facts about food. Laura loves herself a good, (laughs) delicate, what is it? Not delicate. um, What's a meal that's like rare, like escargot and monkey brain, like, Um, what is it called? Um, A delicacy? A delicacy? I guess. Yes, but I don't yeah. eat brain. But yeah, delicacy. Okay, but she does like right. delicacy. So five yeah. freaky facts about food. Laura, honey, this is for you. Uh, All right, the great. first. The first archaeological evidence of soup dates back to 6,000 BC. The main ingredient? Hippopotamus. Yuck. Aww. Would you eat that? Would you try it? Do you love a good um, broth? I- I do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not gonna lie. Okay, hippo broth for Laura. Um, (laughs) uh, Sugar was first added to chewing gum in 1869. Did you know that? I did not. Did you know it was added by a dentist? Oh, good job. (laughs) Right, yeah. Uh, Besides human sacrifices, the Aztecs (laughs) offered the gods tamales. I think I'll take the tamales. Uh huh. You have my attention as an mm-hmm. as Aztec and God. Um, Abraham Lincoln's mother died from milk sickness, which was poisoning by milk from cows that had eaten the white snake root plant. Oh, I've never heard of this. Before. I never have either. Roman. Here we go. Romans flavored food with garum. A paste made by leaving fish to rot for several weeks. Hmm. There's lots of fermented fish stuff and lots of cuisine. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. No, thank you. 
You just um, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I would uh, basically what that tells everybody is that I would rather be an Aztec god and be offered tamales as opposed to a Roman and eat rotted fish, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fine. You'd it be right. You probably it eat it already. You don't know. That was mean. I'm not going to tell you. That was mean. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Shut up. It's not mean. Just true. All right. Anyway, Laura, tell the people where they can follow us. Oh, my goodness. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, historyofahaunting.com, and the Twitter. Also. And the TikTok at H-O-A-H podcast and at H-O-A-H Carrie and at H-O-A-H co-host Laura. Yes, we, uh, the TikTok has its own special overlay because it is the only social media platform where Laura and I actually have our own handles, um, and you can follow us and our personal accounts. Um, Laura is going to bump it up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. With the TikTok. I'll be making the videos. Making the videos. I mean, I'm trying to sing Golden Girls to these people and everything. Come on. Um, She does. I do. Honestly. TikTok is the best. So fun. Let me tell you about Eartharella. She makes soaps and bath bombs. It's so satisfying to watch her videos. I'm telling you. Anyway, uh, yes. So that is why um, TikTok has its own overlay because it is the only social media platform where you can follow Laura and I personally. Uh, To that end, we definitely do want to say... Thank you so much for watching. We have had a lot of fun with you you guys. We hope that you have enjoyed everything. (laughs) Uh, As our last overlay, where I apparently just pop out of existence, please like, comment, and subscribe to our (laughs) YouTube show. And uh, to that end, Laura, do you want to close us out? Or do you want me to start it? Or how do you want to do this part? All right, go. Okay, go. Fine. Everybody. Stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Is listening. I mean, and of all things, like this is the episode. Like Ouija boards are constantly listening. Like you guys need to be (laughs) really, really fucking safe. Anyway, thank you so much. We love you. We hope you enjoyed it. We will see you next week with a brand new episode. And also, please go buy our hoodies. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. guys. (laughs) Bye.